zombies have taken over the world, and the world needs heroes. Hi folks, Timothy Harvey. The Outbreak Challenge, OutbreakChallenge.com, has become a sponsor of Zompocalypse Now. Use your real-life steps and exercise to run from and battle the zombies on an interactive fitness adventure in the apocalyptic wasteland. You can do this alone, you can do it with your friends, see who survives. They have 17 different races and challenges to choose from. All of them have unique stories and themes. If you survive the challenge, they'll send you a real-life medal. Now, this thing will easily pair with your Fitbit, your Apple Watch, other smart wearables. It is definitely a fun way to stay in shape or get back in shape after the last couple of years. We could probably all use some help with that. Now, if you want to try the Outbreak Challenge for yourself, you can save 15% off by going to their website, outbreakchallenge.com, pick the race you want, and enter in the code Zombie Run to save 15% off. That's our coupon code, Zombie Run you get as listeners of the show to take advantage of the outbreak challenge try this out for yourself see if it works for you thanks so much folks and now let's get into our episode do you fear the zombie uprising are you prepared to survive what's coming if you listen very carefully you might just make it out alive this is Zompocalypse Now. All right, as a two-time grand champion, let's get started. I'm, I'm sorry, is someone here a grand champion? Twice. Mm. And this pizza is pretty good. Um, Yes. I feel like I'm a three-time grand champion, and I'll tell you why. Because this episode was not bad. You want to hear something that's going to scare you, Curtis? Who's that? You know who this was written by? Who's that? The same writers as the previous episode. (laughs) Oh, see? (laughs) But I have a theory. Do you know? I do. And we'll get into that on this episode of what? Well, this is the Zompocalypse Now podcast. And I am Timothy Harvey. And I'm Dustin. And I'm Curtis. And on this episode, we are discussing the final episode of the seventh season of Fear the Walking Dead. This is the show that's been going on for a while that's going to keep going on for a while, as opposed to the regular The Walking Dead, which is coming to an end after 11 seasons, but isn't really coming to an end because it's got 40,000 spinoffs, which means it is changing the name and splitting up the cast. We're, neither one of you were on the Friday Night Film Festival uh, where we uh, this was, again, probably 12 years ago. But we went, me and Jeff Chitty and so another, you know, group of reprobates. Uh, I think Kendallson was there. We went to Friday Night Film Festival in Louisville, Kentucky. And who would just so happen to have been there was a Mr. Robert Kirkman. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was talking about how he was he had just had this and he had it was like it's long. It was enough into the process where he had like these cards that had uh, the cast. You remember those old like the poster of the cast all standing there looking sure, right, yeah. uh-huh. and looking like they were from the from the uh, the comic book, like in mm-hmm. that pose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was that. And he had those. I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> this has been con talk brought to you by ain't nobody brought you nothing. <laughs> Welcome back to con talk. I'm your host, Dirch Wiggly. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yes, this episode um was quite a departure from the last few episodes that we have had in that i had very few problems with it uh and that is not just a reaction to finally madison coming back i feel like the writing was better i feel like uh the world made really a lot of sense it was the most Fear the Walking Dead episode of Fear the Walking Dead I've seen in a while. Yeah. Well, and thank you, Madison. You know, let's look what they what they ditched for this episode. They ditched anything involving uh, radiation. Yeah. They ditched anything involving radioactive zombies. Mm-hmm. They ditched anything involving the tower. They ditched every, anything involved with strand 
being a supervillain. They ditched anything involving really heavy-handed and poorly written dream sequences. They focused on the contrast between two characters that are actually, when you look at the, the first part of the Fear of the Walking Dead run where Madison is there, you know, where Dustin and I started watching the show going, the main character is a sociopath. Mm-hmm. What is happening? <laughs> um, and and then of course she leaves the show, and Morgan comes in, and Morgan the, the the entire tone of the show shifts because Morgan is essentially the main character of Fear the Walking right. Dead. Here, this episode actually allows these two characters with very different ways of looking at the world to be on the same screen with each other and actually show what happens when these two ideas come up against each other and what happens when these two kinds of people, well, it starts to show what these two very different kinds of people might be capable of accomplishing together. Right. Um, that's this, this was tight. This was a tightly written episode, and I think they did a really good job with it. I was really surprised. <laughs> yes. So our episode starts with uh, with Morgan and that <laughs> that poor baby. At least this episode, it was more obvious they were using like sound effects instead of showing that baby crying. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> uh, there was a lot more you know off screen baby crying than uh, than close ups of a ter- obviously terrified toddler screaming its poor little little toddler head off they are no longer floating in the ocean they are now in a tree because they turned their little raft into a tree house where they are high above the zombies and they can go out every day and look for food and come back to somewhere of relative safety mm-hmm. they do this for several days long enough to establish that they are now in louisiana which if you know the Gulf Coast of Texas, uh, it curves up uh, and Galveston, which is roughly where they were in that kind of area. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's about another 80 to 100 miles to Louisiana. And that's all encompassed by the Gulf of Mexico. If you were to travel via the road, like the you were to walk, it would be like an 80 or 100 miles. But yeah, so he didn't travel that far. Far enough to be away from any pesky plot, twisty radiation details. Right. All the radiation is gone. He's safe now. See, let me talk. Let me my theory. Let me get this out early on and then we can. If it sure. applies to sure. anything, we can talk about it. But I think this was supposed to be the second episode of the season or of this segment of the season. I think they were their intent was to bring Madison in a lot earlier in the season so that they can enjoy this wonderful plot line. But then somebody else started pissing on somebody's parade. And so they had to pad the season out with a bunch of nonsense. Uh, I think I think you're I think you're giving that a lot more credit based on the previous seasons. They pad a lot anyway. And and I feel like I feel like we're all we've all watched this show enough to know that this is one hundred percent how they do it. They tell us something's coming, and then they keep saying it's coming and we keep watching because we're waiting for the thing to happen and then it comes in the very last episode of the season honestly knowing that i was expecting madison to show up in the last last maybe scene or two of the episode yeah yeah that's that that would be that would have been and then they were much more on brand see see Mm -hmm. you next season (laughs) yeah the fact that we got a full episode of madison is a little surprising I would have been okay, and spoiler alert, if Madison would have died. It would have been okay with me. I had this horrible feeling toward the end. That that that's what was going to happen? No, I didn't think she was going to die. I just I had this horrible vision that this was all a vision and that it was just Morgan imagining he met Madison because his last conversation was with Alicia was that Alicia was basically dying. 
and that uh-huh. this is more because I mean Morgan is the kind of character who would sit there and carry this guilt and imagine yeah. that he met their parent and say right so about your kids sorry you know I, I could see that and oopsie doodles based on the previous <laughs> couple of episodes I was like if they do that this to us a I'm not going to be surprised and B I'm going to be pissed yeah Anyway, on with the episode. So uh, uh, one one on one of his little runs to look for stuff, he runs into a woman who's holed up in this like pretty nice mansion. And she has a bunch of pregnancy tests all around her that are all positive. And he's like, how are you doing in your baby? And she's like, I'm fine. You just get out out of here. And uh, so he does. And uh, goes back to his tree house. And as much as he has uh, protected himself from walkers, because walkers are dumb and can't climb trees, he did not protect himself from people who are not dumb and can climb trees because the next night he is attacked and uh, accused of being the person who steal been stealing the babies from this area. And they're going to punish him for that. And he's like, I didn't steal any babies. And, and they're like, like, and I was like, oh, my God, new plot. This is exciting. Baby stealing. Yeah, it's very interesting. This is a whole different facet that I've never even thought of about zombie times. People stealing babies. Well, there's uh, enough. There's enough people there who have new babies to show that basically people at this point are actually starting to be willing to have kids again. Yeah. I mean, this is we've we are far enough into the zombie apocalypse and people are feeling secure enough that they're thinking, yes, I can bring a child into this world. And well, I mean, it's uh, the world is also being run right by Republicans because there are no safe abortions out there. Well, (laughs) so, you know, I'm pretty sure, though, that people can definitely find enough birth control pills and abortifacts basically lurking around at this point. There hasn't been, you know, a big rush on this stuff over the past, you know, zombie filled years of things. Right. Well, anyway, Morgan is rescued, quote unquote, by a beautiful blonde woman. And we know it's Madison immediately because she turns around and we see her face. Uh, but he's not actually being rescued as so much as uh, double uh, double stolen from because Madison is there to take Mo away. Mm-hmm. And just thank God, because the least the less that baby is on screen, <laughs> the better for me. That was another uh, let's fix it moment for the show. Yeah, I rather appreciated. There, there's, I don't know. I just felt like, well, I guess since it's the last episode, we should do what we wanted to do the first episode. I will tell you this. I will tell you and that that a- baby is so cute and her little face is so expressive that it has completely changed my opinions on whether or not babies should be in movies and television because there have been times where that baby has been screaming and looked terrified as a zombie has lurched toward it. And I've been like that child, not Mo, the fictional child on the television. Right. But that baby playing that baby is going to be traumatized by this thing that is happening to her that she does not understand. Completely traumatized by it. Don't babies have memories of goldfish, though? Um, no, because trauma tends to stick around. That's that is also something that we could talk about in this episode, because whatever Padre's plan is, which sounds extremely reminiscent to uh, the boarding schools that native native and Inuit children were sent to in North America, to, to breed or to, to like educate, quote unquote, you know, their culture well, out of them. Yeah. That it's very like, oh, no, this is not good. This is bad. Yeah. It, it does seem pretty bad. Yeah. Their whole philosophy being have no human connections because that is our nature. What are they fucking thinking about? Well, but if you. Uh, if you steal the baby early enough and let that baby bond with whatever new parent 
I mean, th- what they're doing with the babies is the real question is, are they are they building their own little society with these are the these are the children that they're going to raise as their own? Or are they building think, these, are they like, these children think, to be some sort of like, you know, are they going to be indoctrinated little soldiers? I mean, what what is the end goal with these kids? I think it's step one, steal the baby. Step two, I don't know. Step three, profit. Well, that's everybody's evil. Plan. Well, and you know that <laughs> you know that that's the uh, that's how it's going on in the writers' room. We're going to establish that these people they steal the babies, but why are they stealing the babies? The well, baby that knows. next season, us figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so I think there's a couple of possibilities. Um, first of all, we have the we've all been something has happened and none of us can have kids. Okay, so there's that. If Padre is in fact squinch my nose and no, no. Well, uh, if Padre is a government, it's like it's supposed to have been like government created thing. It's like this, this, you know, the the place where the government people go to rebuild society because they're important. (gasps) The babies are batteries. (laughs) It's the matrix. Use the babies as batteries. Right, uh, you know, turn them into food because they're, they're another iteration of the fine young cannibals. No, but I think that uh, this is this is probably most likely it's we're the important people because we made it to Padre and it's you know we're we're we were on the list, but we don't have enough babies or we're too old, and so the people outside don't matter, but their babies could be part of whatever we're building. Because there is the if you only want the baby and you don't want the parent, the baby's got to serve some purpose. Yeah. I mean, you're not you're not expanding the size of your settlement. You're planning for the next generation. And if you if you're willing to rip them away from their parents, you either want to be their parents or you want to shape them into, I don't know, someone who's going to take care of you when you're old. Yeah, so we've gotten a little bit ahead of ourselves and explained what Morgan's, or not Morgan, but Madison's out there doing. But that comes much later because first, uh, Madison kidnaps little Mo and brings her down to a marina and leaves her in a playpen to be picked up by some mysterious mans. And uh, some Darth Vader motherfucker. I don't even know. Right. And every once in a while, we'll get a flashback to uh, Matt. What was Madison was doing? Apparently, she she was sick after after the the stadium exploded, and she's still having lung problems today. And she started going out and collecting these children because they promised her that they would bring find her children and bring them to Padre. Now, I wonder if Madison mentioned that her children were both in their late to mid 30s and <laughs> were not uh, no sweet sweet baby angels but were in fact grown ass fucking adults uh which i seriously doubt i think it's but probably i i don't know i mean i i didn't get the impression that they were thinking that they were going to tell help her find her kids because her she got them the impression that the kids were were young I think it was more like we'll we'll help reconnect you with your family if you do us if you do this horrible thing, which I'm not entirely sure about the logic there. Why you would sit there and look at Madison who needs oxygen to make it through, you know, she keeps drawing on that oxygen tank multiple times in this episode, and think, yes, we're going to send this person out there. I mean, sure, sure, it's she's an expendable tool, but she. Not yeah, I don't understand. Although she does have, she does have her uh, her plus five warhammer. I mean, we which... know Madison is an is an unstoppable force, but how can they really know Madison is an unstoppable force? Well, maybe it's you know when they found her, she was you know trudging along the top of the Gulf of Mexico. She clearly hasn't but... heard that zombie heads are made of peanut butter and marshmallows. She may have used that hammer and gone through a whole bunch of them before they were like, whoa, 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 let's make a deal. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Because she's like, I can't breathe. Whack. <laughs> could, could we have some oxygen? Could you please stop killing us? <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> anyway, so she starts saving or rescuing, quote unquote, children 
Uh, and in some pl- t- in some instances, convincing parents to give their own children up to go to Padre, which is quote unquote a better place. It's a farm upstate. Everything's going to yes. be fine. <laughs> Uh, and I just can't wait to find out that that all these children are just being fed into a meat grinder. That's where the sprinkles come from. Right. <laughs> In the Commonwealth. It's just baby bits. So much is explained now. Anyway, Morgan finds her. <laughs> and they have a very good fight where, where uh, Morgan and Madison just beat the crap out of each other. And finally, he gets the better of her in this way that I don't like. Obviously, she just kind of stood there and took it after a little while because he gets both of her arms back behind her and then uses both of his hands to pull up the cuffs of her shirt to discover the names Nick and Alicia tattooed on her wrists. And then he's like, oh, my goodness, you're Madison. And she's like, what? And he's like, I know your kids. And she's like, no, you don't. My children are dead. And he's like, and. (laughs) Oh, he had a pause that was long enough for the audience to go, well, and and long enough for her to have looked at him and went, oh, they are dead, aren't they? (laughs) That pause was so pregnant that Madison is coming for the baby. (laughs) yeah it was real bad uh so he promises to tell her what she wants to know about her children if she helps him get mo back Mm -hmm. and uh madison's like okay i guess but let me just pre-warn you this is not going to turn out the way that you want it to and she's like you have no idea buddy tim i was thinking about the joke that you just told and i think it's the best one you've ever told (laughs) that was really good every now and again i get so pregnant that madison came looking for the baby i think (laughs) that that is just worth stopping for and saying good job well done well done my good and faithful servant thank you thank you i'll be here all week you're this could make you a grand champion but not twice over have not twice twice over yeah not twice I'd, I'd have to have another another really good joke to be a, a, a grand champion twice over. Don't hold back. <laughs> no pressure. So Madison tells him the only way that they're going to get him in or to get Mo back is to get him and get another baby to take Mo's place. And so Morgan remembers he ran into that pregnant lady and he's like, well, I guess this is a really shitty thing to do. But even though I constantly say ends do not justify the means, I tend to make this ends justify the means choice every single time I have some sort of moral conundrum. His moral uh, conundrums are so plentiful. And this was the complete theme of this whole season, which was we are no better than our enemies because we make bad decisions, even the same way, even in some cases, the exact same decisions that they make. So I might as well just continue on in that vein. And so he tricks the pregnant lady into coming with them, thinking that she is going to be able to go with her baby somewhere safe. And they do it in this way that's like the... Will I be able to stay with my baby when we get to Padre? And they're like, your baby and you will both be there. (laughs) Which is what we call a technically true answer. Well, and then later we discover that that Madison is doing literally the exact same thing. Of course, she's always been way more honest about it. She's always said, I will just do I'm going to do whatever it takes to survive and for my children to survive. Lie, cheat, steal, kill just kill 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 group w bench style killing yeah that is the madison way and this is exactly what west was talking about which is they say that they don't want to hurt people and they want to help people but anytime that they come up against somebody that they can that needs to be lied to to get them to help them they will lie for they will lie they don't have any qualms about it well, that's because Madison led the way. She was very, there was no question in the minds of the viewer that while Madison might like 
in a perfect world not to murder kill everyone in her path she had no qualms with doing that i mean we wasn't joking when i said that you know madison is a sociopath and that was one of the things that we we learned that in episode one when she she beat the living (laughs) hell out of what was her principal or whatever at her school with the fire extinguisher and the look on her face because it was not the thing wasn't oh my god i i i had to kill my 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 employer and good friend because earlier in that episode they were right chatting and having a good time it was just like well i guess this is happening now Right. I guess we're killing people with with fucking you know giant fire extinguishers now. I guess that's what we're doing. Killing, no, I, killing yeah, and you you just knew right there. It's like okay, this is not. She is not and the female I just, Rick. I she cannot her own new I, thing. I cannot, I cannot express to you how tickled I am that they gave her that big fucking hammer as a weapon, not just because she is exhibiting a very, a very hard time breathing. And that big fucking hammer takes a lot of energy, but because that is the last like like when she brained that dude with the hammer in in that uh episode it was so iconic and so like people talked about that in fandom of this show for years they still talk people still will bring up if you go on forums and stuff like we were just wonderfully excited because we wanted that character to die for so long madison might be a sociopath but he was a psychopath yeah and he was just the worst but yeah i mean i i kept humming if i had a hammer um <laughs> so i mean she's, so she's... i just love it that she's got this big old fucking hammer that she does this attack that is straight out of like special attacks in video games where she takes the hammer and she spins around in a circle and brains five or six like whatever enemies are surrounding her she brains them and kills them which worked it's, pretty good against zombies. I guess a live, a bunch of live humans. Eh. Pretty risky move. If that could have gone, if that would have went wrong, you know, that would have. Well, know, I mean, she has the advantage of having the momentum of the hammer once it gets going, you know. Right. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's a little curious that somebody who's having like real breathing problems, she's pretty active this whole episode. Yeah. So I'm wondering how serious the breathing problems really are or how much of that is Padre fucking with her or her own psychosomatic. Yeah, it could very easily be her doing her to herself. You know, she she feels like she needs like she's got a lot of, you know, that's one of those things when they get tired of her having to suck on air. Every time they do something, it'll magically disappear, disappear like the radiation in half of this season's episodes. They right about the time they're convincing this lady to go to Padre with them, uh, the posse that initially buried Morgan up to his neck on the beach and stole Mo the first time shows up. And so they sneak out the back and they go out to the crypt back on the back of the property, because ironically, in this zombie universe, uh, one of the safer places to be is a cemetery. So. They go out there and they have the discussion. And this is when Morgan tells Madison that as far as he knows, all of her, both of her children are dead. Well, but right before that, though, the quote unquote pregnant lady. Oh, uh, right. Gets turns the tables on them. Yeah, she falls. She falls out in the in the woods and like like gets a big scratch on her belly. And so when they get there, Madison like takes out this ultrasound machine, which of course she's got a mini portable ultrasound machine. Of course. Like pokes at her and never find doesn't find a heartbeat. And then they realize, dun dun dun, she was lying. Shocked. Shocked, I am shocked. She got good reason to lie. She does. She'd been working that all out. Because Madison last year took her her child, her six-year-old away. And it tells you something that Madison has now taken enough children that she doesn't remember this lady. Yeah. That's really creepy. 
yeah. and disturbing. Right. I wonder if uh wonder if Alicia had been left alone to follow her zombie if they'd have made it clear to Louisiana. No, because her zombie led her to the tower. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Maybe he would have glanced off the building and just kept stumbling toward Louisiana. We don't know. Anything's possible. Yeah. It would have and been Alicia and Alicia and her amazing blowout have have wandered back into the radioactive wastes. So she might stumble her way out into Louisiana at some point. Oh, I'd love to see that reunion. Yeah, they've I mean that's why they set it up. That's why they didn't kill her. Mm-hmm. Sigh. Then what happened? Oh, the lady got lady gets that what daddy's gun, gr- grandpa's gun. Grampy <laughs> got buried with his shotgun. Just in case they didn't let him in the pearly gates. <laughs> his loaded shotgun. <laughs> and uh and that's when they discover that's when so she sell, tells them that she was lying and trying to get to Padre and uh get her kid back, and Morgan wants to get his kid back and so that puts them on the same side and against madison and this is when he finally tells her that as far as he's aware both of her children are dead and uh she's like you didn't really know my children and he's like i the fuck i didn't and starts just like you know naming names and calling out receipts and until she can't she cannot deny that it is really her, Alicia and Nick, that have had such a terrible time. You know, it's interesting, the sort of the reminder that, I mean, how long it's been since Nick has been dead. Oh, yeah. A long on time. The show. And part of that, of course, was writing out the actor uh, who had his own set of issues. I have not seen anything from him or him involved. I, I mean, I'm, he may still be working regularly. I have no idea. Yeah, but I have not seen anything that he's been involved in that I'm aware of since because he was spiraling at the end. Yeah, uh, in in his real life. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully, he got that turned around. But yeah, I mean, there's just the idea that you know that how long it's really been that since Morgan came into the show and Nick was Nick was shot by the then very short child Charlie. Right. Who has now grown up to have the longest radiation death <laughs> in the history of radiation deaths on well, on Fear the Walking Dead anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna those Padre guys are gonna find them and they're gonna take and they're gonna be like, we have this goop you can lie in for radiation poisoning. <laughs> we Don't you it. know about the goop? It's made of yes i want it yes (laughs) give me the goop (laughs) so um produced by the soylent company about the time four sick friends we all want the goop About the time they realize, you know, they could all kind of be on the same team, the posse shows up and the mom, the fake mom makes the decision to let the posse in, give up Madison and then hopefully get to Padre and be able to rescue her child. So she throws in with the lynch mob and Morgan's like, I can't do it. And and they're like, suit yourself. And they leave him. And they take Madison and they're going to go bury her on the uh, on the beach so that when high tide comes in, she will drown or be eaten by walkers. Now, uh, there's something that must be said about this. It's not a possible thing to do because Mythbusters did an episode, a pirate episode uh, where they did this exact thing and buried their little interns like all three of them on the beach and they all escaped from the beach before the tide came in. It's not difficult. I mean, it's not, it's not easy, but it's not hard. No, it's and, pretty hard. And they did it in the three different ways. Like they had the girl like lay down and they buried her. Like they were doing to Morgan where it's like a little bit of a deep hole, but he's maybe got not too much. And then they did grant like, like kneeling or something. And and then the tall, skinny one, they buried him like they did, got a like backhoe. 
mm-hmm. and dug out a hole and made him stand in the middle of the hole and filled it back in. And he still was able to like sh- get enough wiggle in his body to get out. Right. I mean, cause there's a lot of uh, even, even wet sand, which of course is wet. Heavy, heavier, sand. than heavier than, than, than just plain dry sand. I mean, it's got it, the weight of the water adds some restriction. Even then you, there's a lot of space Mm-hmm. in between those sand particles so the more you move around the more you're actually loosening that up and well here's the deal here's the deal with it as a sand sculptor i learned a little something about sand and if you got like a little piece that you can take your hand and lay it on your and it's packed with hammers we get on that and we pack the sand down with hammers before we ever start carving on it but you put your hand on that and you just start wiggling it slightly that it turns into liquid and just starts running. Yeah. And so, so that's all, that's all you're doing is you're creating a, a a lamellar flow of sand basically. And that's how you can slither. Right. But for as all as impressive as it looks to bury someone up to their neck in sand, I have to ask the question, why would you go to the effort did they have to put like plugs in their pee holes so they wouldn't get sand in them? Because it seems like if you're buried, it yeah. I mean, I, there are there are easier ways to do this. I mean, you know, you could just kill them. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure Kim Dickens was real thrilled about having to get her pee hole plugged for that scene. Pretty <laughs> sure that she wasn't actually in the sand long enough for that to be in. She was on a small platform with sand on top of it where her head poked just through. <laughs> there was about half inch of sand there and her body's just hanging out underneath. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> texting. <laughs> texting. She's underneath there texting. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Morgan comes to save her. But who should come trudging up out of the water? The lynch mob. They're dead now. And now they're walkers. Even the fake mom is dead. And it it devastates Morgan so bad that he becomes a mewling kitten. After all this time, after everything any of the characters on these shows have, have seen over the years and years and years, the sheer number of them which are stunned to see people they know for a minute or for years coming at them as a dead person in the world where this happens again and again and again and how many of them sit there and go oh no i see this person that i know i shall become immobile and die like a moron right you'd think that wouldn't be a thing yeah but I guess they just need there to be that emotional weight because then we need to have a reason for Madison to struggle up out of the sand against her asthma attack or whatever the fuck's going on so that she can get her plus five Warhammer and wail on some zombies and rescue him. Admittedly, it was kind of fun to watch her just go bonk, bonk, bonk. <laughs> and just the exhausted look on her face like, oh, you know, it's, you know, it's almost like, oh, it must be Tuesday. I'm buried up to my neck in sand and I have to kill walkers. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the new plan back. is that they are going to, Ali- not Alicia, Madison brings Morgan to these Padre guys and is like, hey, this guy is a collector like me. And he can help you find just a whole mess of youngins. And and they're like, oh, yeah. And he's like, I know where there's a boatload of them, which is, of course, the survivors from the tower. And so they decide to take Morgan with them uh, to go check this out. And as they're getting in the boat, Morgan says to Madison, he's, he's like, You never told me where Padre was. And she's like, oh, oopsie doodles. That's the thing. I have no idea. And they put a blindfold on her and then they put a blindfold on him. And that's the end. Well, the last thing we see. They poke out the uh, the corner of that cove and they see Tim. Yeah, they they come around the corner on the corner in that little boat. And you see there's some sort of of larger craft that's. It's hard to tell if it's you know what kind of boat it is, but it's obviously larger, not big enough to be like a base, right? Because my first thought was, oh, Padre is 
a boat, right? But it's not big enough. So I'm sure it's their the little the little boat is the boat to shore craft that they've got, and they're gonna go to this boat, and then that boat's gonna go to Padre, wherever Padre really is. It's an aircraft hangar. Ha-ha! Well, I think I think that boat is is what I think that's what the Coast Guard uses as a daycare facility. If I'm not mistaken. Boats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's in the laws that the Coast Guard has to use boats for everything. Ah, so daycare, lunch, entertainments. It's all boats. They all have a boat for everything. They have a pharmacy boat, the USS. <laughs> Walgreens. <laughs> yeah, so, they, so they, it's boats for everything. So that's the daycare boat, and they're going to the daycare boat um, because that's where they've been bringing the kids to the daycare boat. I think they're going to uh, get on that boat and be taken somewhere else because Madison would know if she had been on a if Padre was on a boat. She spent two and a half years on a boat. She would sit there and, you know, she would have said something, you know, and she wouldn't have said, I don't know where it is. She would have said, it's that big fucking boat over there. It's a big fucking boat. Yeah. She didn't mm-hmm, say that, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so the boat is going to go somewhere and it's going to end up being, I don't know, connected somehow with the Commonwealth. Wait, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very interested. I'm extremely interested in knowing how they are going to like, because this was, you know, Lenny James is leaving the series. And so I just find it very, very interesting. Like, you know, they're not, they don't seem to be setting up. And then, and then uh, Morgan, Morgan rode off into the sunset with his little screaming baby and his, and his wife, who's also a scientist. I think they're probably setting it up so that Padre can be whatever happens on Padre, it can be reformed and Morgan and Grace and Mo will become the new leaders of Padre. And so, or Morgan and it's like, Grace and I need to build a life here. And Madison will ride off to the sunset to walk the world like Kung Fu and, and fight zombies. And it'll be the Madison show again. Yeah. Which I honestly, I'd be fine with, with giving Morgan a somewhat happy ending. Yeah. You're right with that. I just really, I felt like this episode was more, had more, had more tangible bits that I could enjoy rather than filler dialogue nonsense that I don't, you know, you know, you know what they didn't do a single time this episode. I saw, but what? What they didn't do a single one time is you can't go. It's too dangerous. I'll go. <laughs> you can't go. I can't go. Let's stay here. Fuck it. Well, the beautiful thing is, is that none of these people actually care about the other people, <laughs> except purely on an intellectual level. So there's none of this like emotional nonsense you got to deal with it. In this- fact, in fact, the opposite was true because it was like, you fuck you. You've got to come with me. <laughs> you are coming with me. We are doing a thing. This episode really benefited from the fact that it, with the exception of the basic premise of this is the world that Morgan is coming from, all of the nonsense of this season was discussed in like a minute. Everything else, this this had nothing to do with the rest of the season. Yeah, really, nothing. And I think thank God for that. This from the beginning. From the, from the point that the bombs fell and we knew that we were getting the nuclear wasteland zombies, once we knew that, we knew there were going to be problems. And there uh-huh. have been nothing but problems. And the fact that this episode completely ditches all of that and doesn't have anything to do with that is... So A nice. breath of fresh air. Oh, God. I mean, it's it was so nice. Even, even leaving aside Kim Dickens coming back and just the pleasures of having Madison on the screen. The advantage of not having to deal with any of the nonsense of this season really helped this episode. Really did. Shame we had to sit through the rest of that nonsense. And again, the same folks who wrote this episode. Who directed it? I want to know who directed it. uh, This was Sherat Raju. And Sherat has not directed any episodes this season. This is the first one. And Sherat is known for has directed episodes of law and order special victims unit 
um, Grim, um, How to Get Away with Murder, Scandal, Criminal Minds, Once Upon a Time, NCIS, MacGyver. No way! It's oh, true. Oh, the more recent MacGyver, MacGyver then. Previous, se- uh, directed two episodes in previous seasons of Fear the Walking Dead, not this season. And uh, yeah, so. Well, I think the direction on this was clearly much better. In fact, I would I would bet a thousand dollars that that director heard some of that dialogue that was like, "You can't go, I have to go," and was like, "Fuck this conversation." No, I'm a good this. director, unlike <laughs> those assholes who can't write for shit. <laughs> Changing it all. <laughs> this guy's been doing quite a few short films as well, and gotten a lot of buzz early on. So described as so in September 2004 named by Esquire as one of the 20 young film directors to watch and apparently decided that he wanted to do that in television so that it's also a lot of you know consistent work honestly yeah yeah it was, yeah it was well directed um I'm not going to say well written because I'm not giving those guys an inch they got to prove themselves to me if they if this is how they can write let's see some consistency let's see how they build on this story arc next season uh because that's what i'm really interested in you know i always like i always really enjoy when the season starts because it's like fresh and new and then it's and then it's just like every relationship i've ever had it might be me but i get more and more disappointed as the season slash relationship goes on It might might have more to do with me than than the object. No, this season has let us down and 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 betrayed our trust and not well, put the toilet, not put the toilet seat back up and doesn't call on our birthday and has failed to bring me flowers consistently. So well, this this episode is a gentle kiss while being tucked into bed after an extremely horrible day. Doesn't problem, really help. Okay, so here's here's the problem: is that after this season, this feels like that bit where you you've gone through just hell with your partner, and then you you kind of have this moment where it all comes together and it feels really good. But you know, you know, it's still it, broke. It's still broke. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean so that I'm, that great that great weekend that you just had might sustain you for a little while, but. You're going to be arguing about who left the laundry in the washer again before you know it. I would love to be wrong, but I feel I, I, I'm my deeply cynical and skeptical heart is going to tell me that the Walking Dead universe has hurt me before. Yes. So tune in next week when we're not going to talk about it. Well, OK, next the next episode you get is probably going to be fear. The, it's going to be regular Walking Dead again. We are going to take it. We're going to take a break from the Walking Dead universe. And if you are on our Patreon account, you can hear the where we're going to go. We are actually going to have uh, go a little silly, go a little fun. Dustin and I years ago, when this podcast was in its infancy, we watched Disney's zombies and had a pretty good time with a very silly movie, which we'll have to go back. I might I might actually go back and listen to that episode. Oh no! Um, I no no. We we need to. You and I oh. and Curtis are going to watch it. I've I have a copy. Of no, the I mean go back and listen and see what our thoughts were. Oh okay. Before we watch, I might go back and listen to it. It's like we're I, doing a, a a cover of of something that's previously been released. Well, you know, I think that there's there's something to be said for for what Dustin's talking about because because not only we have to get back uh up to stuff on canon because. Since we watched Zombies, there have been two more Zombies movies. One where they fight werewolves and the newest one where they fight space aliens. And by fight, I mean sing and dance at each other. Oh, my God. You're kidding me. And then. Oh, oh, Curtis, this is this is this is one of those things where. I'm not going to say this is good, but I will tell you that as I recall, and I should listen to that episode too. I'm pretty sure we were really entertained. 
I feel like we were. I feel like we Look, liked it. I but- mean, Disney's an evil entity in the world and everything, but they don't fuck around about story. They, well, they really work out story before they do anything. They are keenly aware that there is an entire younger demographic that if you can give them what they want in terms of entertainment, it's like that first hit of heroin. Mm-hmm. They've got you and you're going to keep coming back to the dealer. You know the one about the that movie they did about the girl who turns into a raccoon? Yeah. That's about getting your period. So it stands Turning to reason red, yeah. that we're uh-huh. going to deal with other health issues like abortion, um, erectile dysfunction, probably in another Pacific Island. Oh, the, no, the, 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 the Fast and Furious movies are about erectile dysfunction. Didn't you know that? <laughs> I mean, uh, clearly sorry, compensated. Dang, man. man, you're a two-time grand champion today, dude. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank the Academy. Um, yeah, so <laughs> so yes, we are going to step away from from the oh so so self serious Walking Dead universe and have be a little silly. So we hope that you will join us for that over on our Patreon account, and we hope that you check out the Patreon account because we offer some stuff over there, and then and you know it helps support the show, and that's something that we would like. That would be great. And uh, you get some extra extra things. And we also encourage you to check out our sponsor, the Outbreak Challenge, outbreakchallenge.com. Um, if you use the code zombie run, you can save 15%, 15% off your first race. And if you're not familiar with Outbreak Challenge, then definitely I would say check it out. It Dude, it's fun. It is fun. We need to do it again. Yeah. Um, and the idea behind it, if you're not familiar and you've missed any of our pre, this is your first episode with us. And it's basically, you know, be physically active and fight zombies through the app. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, we hope that you will check those things out, take advantage of that discount, um, and uh, join us as we continue. Come dealing. crazy. Got to yeah. go crazy. How, come join us as we have more fun. So, as always, we appreciate you guys joining us. And you can find us on social media. We encourage you to check out Zompocalypse Now, wherever your podcasts can be found. Give us ratings and comments and that sort of thing. And we'll do this again. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, Kim Dickens, for finally coming back and at least letting this season go out on a potentially positive note. I realize, I realize you're going to let us down and it's not your fault. We miss you. <laughs> Good to have you back. But uh, we've, we've been hurt before and uh, we're not, we're not going to be fooled again. So, all right. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved. <laughs>